and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 273. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Discovery's second season episodes, Perpetual Infinity and Through the Valley of Shadows. And we're going to be discussing some breaking news at the end of the podcast today that we are so excited about. Some cool Star Trek stuff that just got officially announced today. Anyway, here we go. Perpetual Infinity, Season 2, Episode 11. Original release date, March 28th, 2019. Directed by Maha Vrilo. Written by Alan McElroy and Brandon Schultz. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio, Ethan Peck as Spock, Alan Van Sprang as Leland, Sonia Soon as Gabriel Burnham, Kenrick Green as Michael Burnham, Rachel Ancheryl as Nan, Emily Coots as Detmer, Patrick Kwok Jun as Reese, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oshakun, Ronnie Roy Jr. as Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, and Arst Arheen as Young Burnham. <laughs> When the Burnham's laboratory was attacked by Klingons years ago, Michelle's mother donned the time travel suit to go back in time an hour and warn them of the attack. She instead arrived 950 years in the future to find all sentient life destroyed by control. Tethering herself to a nearby planet, Dr. Burnham made over 840 attempts to change the future, including moving humans to her planet, Terlesium, to test how she could change history. Trying to stop control from gaining the sphere's data, Dr. Burnham was responsible for crossing paths with Discovery. Dr. Burnham, I'm Captain... Captain Christopher Pike, USS Enterprise, in temporary command of Discovery. But soon you'll return to your ship. I could say more about your future, but you won't like it. Well, we're uh, not here to talk about me. Then let's talk about the fact that I came here to save my daughter, and you deceived me. Michael risked her life to bring you here. We understand the threat to sentient life. You understand nothing. As long as there's any possibility of control gaining access to the sphere data, everything will die. Always. Was I the only one at the end of this episode when they say there's a, an escape pod? It's Tyler that went, dang it! <laughs> He lived. He made it. Uh, Tyler made it. God bless it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Steve, kick us off on this one. So I have this thing where I uh, have these kind of dreams occasionally at night. And what happens is, is that I, I think there's something I have to do. And it all makes sense in the middle of the night. Like it's some kind of, I, I just fill in the blank. I've got to like put the... Uh, round peg in the square hole i've got to like walk a mile i've got to do this thing and it all is something i gotta really do and it keeps me up and it's just some kind of psychological issue like anxiety or something but in the middle of the night it seems perfectly reasonable and makes sense and then the next day i think man i've wasted so much of my time and that's like the logic time travel logic and all of the ins and outs of the plots on these last few episodes of the season well, the writers on this show never had that last part you talked about <laughs> <laughs> yeah they never had that realization i suppose you know, I, I don't want to like talk, go on. This is awful stuff. It's just that it's so convoluted. It takes away from any kind of real storytelling or real character development you can you can have. You know, that's it. I'm not as ele uh, elegant as you are, but what you just said really completely entirely sums up how I feel. I mean, it's how I felt a couple weeks ago, and it's how I feel today. Yeah. Uh, well, I I just. I mean, there, I'm not going to say there's nothing positive here. I, 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 I did, I did make a note of the point where, um, 
you know, Michael Burnham and um, Giorgio are having a conversation and they're basically just speaking of vying for being the most uh, uh, powerful person in the universe at any given moment because of this whole dynamic of, you know, Michael Burnham versus control and all this kind of thing. I, I like, may, maybe this was intentional, maybe it wasn't. I like the notion of two women of color vying for being the most powerful being in the universe. And it's, and it's what they're, they're doing. I, I like that. Um, I, um, anything with Michelle Yeoh is great. Um, the, uh, it, it, it's just so much, so much of it is it's, it, it's, it's just convoluted and goes back on itself. And I'm, I just kind of get, have grown tired of it. It just kind of peters out by the end of this season. And that, that's really all I got. I'm afraid the way I take my notes, sometimes I'll just put sentences down for plot things so that I can quickly reread it and uh, read it and re be reminded of stuff that actually happens in the episode. I mean, just writing sentences, it's like, we can put the magical sphere data into the suit and send it into a permanent traveling wormhole. Leland has Giorgio intercept the sphere data while it's on, on its way to Dr. Burnham's suit, while Stamets and younger Burnham attempt to beam Dr. Burnham to the present she's already in permanently. I mean, it's like... It's, it is. It's just, yeah. Adam, you said before we started that these were probably your favorite episodes in all of Star Trek. <laughs> I think I kind of felt more like Steve. I got a middle. I got into the middle of this episode, and I'm just like, I'm just tired of watching this because it's this is the best way I can put it. It's it's forced drama. Is the best way I can kind of describe it. I'm sorry. Um, I, the writing in this episode, uh, I I got annoyed with our main character. Michael, because she's flipping out about her mom. Everybody's logically telling her, like, look, we can we can do this, even if she goes, you know, it's not like she's going to die. She's gonna, She can come back whenever. So there's this, a lot of this forced mother-daughter drama in this, and at the end of it, Burnham's temper tantrum in this episode caused her mother to lose the suit. So I, I don't feel like this episode did anything good for our lead character um on top of that we have all what steve was talking about there's so many different things going on you can't really even keep track of it and <clears throat> leland who was um you know he's this season's you know um lorca um and then you know he was kind of a bad guy to begin with but we're now we're going to put him fill him with nanoprobes i guess that's what they're you know like board nanoprobes <laughs> <laughs> to, well, to at first that's what I thought, but no, I think they actually he's he's must be killed and replaced or something. Guess, is knows? there a, is there a corpse of Leland somewhere? I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm not, that was always kind of unclear okay. what's going on here. So it's kind of like okay, we kind of had a bad guy set up, but he wasn't bad enough. So now we had to like have him be controlled by something. I don't know. It just... there, there was a moment when Leland says, <laughs> I think it's near the beginning, and he says, I don't need to remind you that if control downloads the sphere data, it will gain consciousness. And and I, just, I felt like, I, I think I was looking at my computer screen when I was in touch, and I, I swear I looked up, I thought I was going to see him looking into the camera telling us that. <laughs> uh, that's not what happened. But it's, every time they say, when you talk about it's just convoluted, manufactured drama, Every time they say sphere data, I think that every single time, yeah. like just th there's there's a bunch of ones and zeros that we got from this magical old circle thing, and that I mean every single time they say sphere data, it just sounds like they're trying to say it with such gravitas, and I'm like, you're just saying the word sphere and data. 
it's smear and data. And, and you know, and I think we mentioned mentioned this in the last podcast. I'm I'm still not really fully sure what control is or how it came about. I know I know we talked about this, but it's still kind of convoluted. Yeah, and, I was thinking and today, like, and it's like it's already se- it's here and it's sentient because yeah. it's like infiltrated. I think it's a bad name. I think yeah. it's a name that isn't like. Even even if I understand correctly, it was just a computer program that they started that they were using to make decisions for them, which okay, it's a computer program right. um, that they that they let make more and more decisions or something like you know something like, yeah, Skynet something like or something. Yeah, but, you know what Skynet has the control doesn't have a cool name. <laughs> you say Skynet, and I just think, well, that sounds like some computer software that's going to take over the world. Control I mean, is, I mean, it's like sphere it's data. Like, it's just a word that, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I think I think they needed a different word. I think it sounds dumb, but I think that would have really helped. Well, yeah. I, it's pretty scary already. I mean, you know, it can take over a human. You can take over another human and become them. It can take over ships. It can already do a whole lot. It already kind of seems sentient. So what does it really need the sphere data for? It's kind of the whole thing is kind of working backwards, right? It's kind of like they wanted this end, and so they do they work backwards to it, and, and that's why it seems so goofy. I mean, you got like this notion of why would Starf? It really it makes when when it makes everyone look bad, it looks the like heroes makes the heroes look bad, including Starfleet, the Federation, our main characters, all this. It, it's just not good, you know. I mean. And this is the same time period, very, you know, roughly speaking, of things we've seen before, you know, the original series and all this stuff, too. And it's like, what on earth? So they've been for years having this thing where they just like feed stuff into it and ask it questions. And also that blew out of report. It, that, that doesn't make any sense. A lot of this feels like I don't know if you've seen some of these things where like a uh, a computer program like writes a uh concerto or something in the style of dead composers and those kind of fun things that's what this feels like that's what a lot of this has felt like at the end of the season is because you get these elements like you mentioned skynet and stuff too there's terminator right and left there's there's other star trek right and left there's borg borg stuff that feels like oh this is, is this borg or is that what they're alluding to no it's just kind of borg it's kind of skynet it's kind of this it's like you feed in like sci-fi from the last 50 years and then just shoot out a story and that's what it feels like a computer wrote this and it's like kind of a laughable you know game where it's like oh look what it did and that plot twist and all this stuff too but now these are like a real group of human beings who did this you know i mean that's that doesn't make sense time crystal steven that's all about yeah, time. Mm-hmm. All you know, it, time crystal virtually, so he's 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 like a bunch of nanobots that are able to make him look like leland is i mean that's right right I think so. Well, I, I, okay. I thought he got. I thought his body got just taken over. We saw that other guy. We saw what they talked in the next episode. Yeah, he's very specific, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. because he okay. got injected with the nano with the whatever they are. We'll just call them nano probes. He got injected mm-hmm. with them, and then you kind of see him going through his face and veins. So I just mm-hmm. kind of assumed they took control of his actual body. They didn't like clone him or anything. But I mean, it's not really clear. I think it's unclear after we saw what happened with the other guy because that yeah, guy did right. seem like he was composed of something. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they yeah. literally came. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, regard, either way, he's he he shouldn't he be a pretty much this unstoppable robotic killing machine? It seems like he's that. Right. Uh, when right. he's he beams down, Leland beams down to stop uh, to get the sphere <laughs> to can, to to restart the sphere data send to his ship right okay and he's immediately just kills everybody 
he's an unstoppable killing machine until he gets to Giorgio. And now he's kind of met pretty close to his equal and she's going to be able to occupy his time for a while. It was just, yeah, it was just one of those you talk about they work backwards. Well, it didn't that didn't really make any sense. There's just so much it's just it's just the writing. You know, there's you know what it reminded me too? It, there's like when I make fun of Michael Bay movies, everybody makes fun of Michael Bay movies. Um, but what, you know, it's just like crazy explosions left and right going really fast. They're trying to get, he's trying to get stuff by you so fast that somehow you're entertained and you don't have a chance to stop and think, you know, this is, there's nothing actually happening here. I felt that way in this episode. There were times like people would just be rushing into a room and saying a line like, Oh my God, what's going on? Wait, wait, what did they actually just say? Did Leland just say, get me that data dialer? Did, I think he said, get me that data dialer. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. You know, this last weekend, I was kind of doing some other stuff, and I and I just put on, every now and then I'll go to, and I'll watch an original series episode, and I just put on whatever the next one was. It was in the middle of season two. And I and it just, it played like several episodes in a row. And one of them was um, Wolf in the Fold. And, you know, there's a moment in there incredibly that that scene where they actually figure out that it's jack the ripper that scene is like half the episode and they're in one room there's that scene really shouldn't work it's so long and when you get to the answer that oh the villain is jack the river it's silly it's a it's of course it's absurd it's silly and i was like god why does this work when crazy discovery stuff it just doesn't and it's like what we were talking about at the very beginning, you know, it's just, just there's character things. There's there's a story going on there where Kirk is trying to save his friend Scotty that makes that ludicrously long scene in one room exciting to watch. You know? And we're just we're just we're just losing the point here in this in these discovery episodes. Well, I think I think you hit on something there, Brian, because that's more character where we you know, we're we're in season two of Discovery, and they're you know the seasonal plot lines are basically saving the universe each time. It's like where do you where do you go the next season? You've already saved the universe, and so what was it? last season? You know they had to save the you know the Federation and, and the Klingons and their sector of space. This year it's basically saving you know all sentient life. You know we'll get to season three, and that's basically the same subplot point is like we have to save you know, and it's it's like. Once you go to this, these high pinnacles, it, it, you kind of corner yourself you do, where you don't have anywhere to go. I mean, you know, think about if they would have done this plot line over like two or three seasons with control and then had a crescendo at the end of like a second or third season. It would be much more satisfying than what we have here crammed into, you know, 14 episodes or whatever the season is. And Well, look at the way they – I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, I know we're only in season two, but it feels like this – all this stuff with – with her parents and her mother, it feels like retconned. I mean, it doesn't, there's no planet where I think they had any inkling that that was actually what happened to her mother in season one, you know, and it feels like that. It feels like that. I'm sorry. I get confused by by her childhood with this. So she's 10 years old. Her parents die. She goes to Vulcan and I'm confused about this. She goes to Vulcan and then she, you know, she's there for a little while and then she tries to leave and she has this rift with Spock. So my feeling is they weren't really, friends for very long and then does she come back and live in the house i don't it's very confusing to me are we saying that spock was the only person who burnham's mother was more or less able to directly communicate with i believe that i believe that's correct yeah 
Okay, so this is why, for example, she didn't go back, you know, an hour before the Klingons attacked uh, her husband and daughter, as she'd originally planned. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's also an implication that it was just, you know, what originally started all this was somehow that maybe the Klingon disruptor fire messed up the suit. I don't know if they actually said that. It was just a visual thing that we were... Right, that's true. Okay. I mean, what? how did you... I just... I brought part of this, too. I wanted to bring up... How, how do you feel about all the 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 realizations about her mother and the, the missions that her mother has been undertaking all this time? And I mean, that's a big part of this episode. I know, Adam, you already said you don't didn't like any of the mother drama, but... Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the forced drama there is what I... What, from, on, Bur- on Michael's side. I mean... You know the mother's side is is fine. I mean, it's it kind of makes sense what she's going through. I mean, in principle, I like it. It's just the execution, like everything else is. I mean, the notion of a, I mean, if you just make a statement like a mother has a time traveling suit and spends her entire existence in over hundred in hundreds of trips going back to save her daughter's life. That's compelling. That feels like, wow, that's terrific. Let's roll with that. But instead we, we take that and we pack it into some little teeny bit of time and just talk about it a little bit and, and don't focus on it. It's like so much, like so much of this stuff, it's just like, pick a topic. You've got a lot of things that could be compelling. If you want to develop a character, they just, did. They, they picked a topic, the, yeah, the data dialer, <laughs> the data dialer, sometimes called the butt dialer. That's you know, a mistake. Don't call it that. That's a different thing. You're exactly right, Steve. Even in modern TV that we see today, you know, and, and you know, the binge watching TV, there will be sometimes where they'll have an episode where they go off on a tangent and sh- and explain what this what's going on with this character, and that's kind of what was needed here with um, Michael's mom. It's like show the experience, you know. Don't give us like a thirty that'd second. Been, that'd have been compelling. What if the entire episode <laughs> yeah, was like that? Her, yeah, that's yeah, good, exactly. I like that. I like that. You oh. know, that instead of her just doing her forty-five second monologue, like it was so horrible. You know, show it. You know, have a whole episode about her going back there and having to see Michael die over and over again. That would be that would give the audience that much more an emotional impact about what she was going through. Um, you know, instead of like the God, she's kind of a wanker. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's great. That may have that may have saved that season. The save the season if you'd have had that kind of thing going on in the middle, and then like just cut out a ton of nonsense. Just taking that little bit of yeah. a break too between yeah, all the crazy. Episode, just one episode, just showing yeah. her. What is this episode about? That you can't give up on family. Fast and Furious. <laughs> F nine or F fifteen or wherever they're at. I think. Um, I think it could have been about that. I think they can target that, that notion. I mean, that's certainly a central theme, this idea of of going back and trying to, you know, sticking with somebody or save somebody, whatever, too. But, you know, they just it's, it's just such poor execution that you can't stick to that theme. You, you focus on trying to get your head around what's going on. And it's just that that's a waste of time. It's just anyway. Yeah, that's that's my opinion on that. I mean, yeah, we had I mean, like I said, we had a lot of. There was a lot of potential here, but it just seemed like sure. there's just a lot of kitty drama. I mean, you know, like I said, if we'd seen that episode, you know, with Michelle's mother going back, we could have seen those yeah. scenes with um, Michelle Young and, you know, Giorgio. And, you know, that scene would have made this more impactful. Now it's just kind of like two rival mothers, kind of. And then right. we also get um, Amanda in there. So this is, kind of, <laughs> this is what I was saying. One. It just kind of roils down to all of uh, Michael Burnham's, you know, family drama. Which to me mm-hmm. isn't Star Trek. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, there's going to be little bits and pieces of family drama, and that's fine. But I mean, it's just 
That's I feel that's what all this episode is about. The is. soap opera, you know, two weeks ago, what I what I was so passionate and upset about was, was this feeling of it, you know, soap opera, and that's just that's not at all. That's not even a variation of this of what Star Trek is to me. That I, and the reason I want to watch Star Trek. Now I'm going to start our next episode with that. But first, let's do six degrees for perpetual infinity. Uh, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll, I'll go first. first. Mama mentions multiple times she spied on her daughter through time, including the moment she first came to the Shenzhou, which includes footage from the pilot episode of Discovery. Name it. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. It's not coming to me readily. I'll know when I hear it. Yes, you definitely will, Adam. It. What's the first episode of this show called? Binary Stars? Binary? You're very close. There's a little oh. bit more to it. I'll give you another chance here. Um, binary stuff. I have no idea. Binary. I think you should get a half point. Battle at the binary stars. Ba- battle at the binary. Yeah, okay. yep, yep. yeah. I always wanted to say battle of, but nope, it's battle at. Battle, battle at. at. All right. Uh, Adam has half a point. Never did that before. <laughs> We're on a variety kick. Yes. <laughs> Got to keep it interesting. Through the Valley of Shadows, Season 2, Episode 12, original release date, April 4th, 2019. Directed by Douglas Arniokoski, written by Bo Yun Kim and Erica Leipold. Guest cast include Mia Kirshner as Amanda Grayson, Mary Chifo as Laurel, Ethan Peck as Spock, uh, Vigno Taro as Jet Reno, Kenneth Mitchell as Tenavik, Rachel and Cheryl as Nan, Emily Coots as Detmer, Patrick Kwakchun as Rice, Oyen Oladejo as Oa Shakun, Ronald Jr. as Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, Ali Momin as Gant, Juliana Grossman as Discovery Computer, Ian James Corlett as Section 31 Computer, David Benjamin Tomlinson as Linus, Byron Avalos as Trainee 1, and Olivia Croft as Trainee 2. <laughs> A new signal appears over Boreth, a place sacred to Klingons, where a Klingon monastery is located and where monks guard time crystals. Tyler and Laurel left their son to be raised by these monks. Pike visits the monastery to to revive, receive a time crystal, and finds the son is now fully grown adult named Tenevik. Tenevik explains that life on Boreth is affected by the time crystals and that if Pike takes one, he will not be able to change the future that is shown to him. Meanwhile, Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship that has checked in 10 minutes later than usual and find all the crew dead except for one. What do I do? You must see for yourself, but it is for you alone. Warning, Captain. The present is a veil between anticipation and horror. Lift the veil and madness may follow. Adam, kick us off on this one. I liked this episode better, and I think because it kind of had more of a standard format. You know, you had a um, you had an A story and a B story, um, and the A story kind of had to deal with had kind of mostly dealt with Pike, and you know, and, you know, for Star Trek fans, you know, of you know the the original series and pilot and that kind of stuff. You know, you kind of got to see that Pike gets a glimpse of his future, and he gets to see that. I know we've kind of made. I know we've been making we haven't kind of we've been making fun of the time crystals but i kind of liked the monastery and kind of what you know their explanation i I don't really know what a time crystal is or how it works but just how it affects this monastery 
<laughs> how it affects this monastery. It's it's cool sci-fi, and um, you know, I, I think that's I think that story worked for the most part down on the planet with the monastery with Pike and um, you know Tyler's son. Um, and it was it was it was interesting, and it kind of gave a different look at you know Klingons, so forth. Um, and the B story, um, you know, I like Burnham and Spot together. I think those two are really. I mean, you know, obviously they're they're written as brother and sister, but the but the actors I believe really have good chemistry. So seeing them together and doing stuff together um, hasn't been a bad thing, and it's been one of the more positives of the season. Um, so that's kind of how I felt for it. Um, it, it. I guess it, you know, it's it's almost like a, a it's almost like a slowdown from what we've gotten the last um, you know two or three episodes where it, it kind of slows down a little bit and we kind of get a little bit more normal storytelling going on. Um, so for the most part, I I I, I like this episode. I think maybe I'm just I've just kind of checked out. <laughs> you're tired. I mean, I get yeah, it. I, I just but I, but I I like Pike. And I'm I'm really looking forward to that series. And oh, absolutely, gonna, yeah. I yeah. think that some of the best stuff that's coming is going to come out of Discovery is the spinoff shows. Sure. So you know, the more that we get from those characters, it's it's just it's 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 butter. But for me, when I heard like the Pikes going to the monastery to acquire time crystals from the timekeepers, <laughs> and he meets grown baby Tyler, and and it's I, it's like no, I'm no. We had to do more Tyler and Laurel scenes. Mm-hmm. Yippee. Uh, Steve, your first thoughts? Yeah, so I, I do like this better than the uh, first one we discussed. I think because it's got some... It, it's one It's one of these things, too, that... I mean, the, the, the biggest positive element is one of these things that you can only grasp if you've been on this journey for a while. And that is that the tragedy that happens to Pike is something that he, he basically sacrificed to get to there. That's what they're implying. I love that on paper. That That's cool that they no, gave that a purpose. Yeah. But, but he doesn't even know, like they don't even know what the heck the stupid time crystals are for. I mean, they're, they don't, he doesn't right. know why he needs one. Uh, some signal in the sky he thinks is telling him to come here and get a time crystal because it's the only him. thing that seems to be of importance there. I mean, it doesn't, Not, why would he, uh, I, I get, I get you. It, it's, it's very, it's very problematic, but at least in, in the interior, it's consistent with what we've got. You know, we've get, we've, we've established that Pike is a man of faith to some extent. He's got this history and they use that. And then he uses, you know, he actually makes a choice to have some kind of future, which is hazy for something that he, he believes to be, I mean, I know it's a lot of ifs and so conditionals. I get it. That that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's tiresome and whatnot. I'm just saying that's that's a one little gleaming positive thing of this episode is it does give you something to talk about when you talk about the history of the character of of Pike, you know, and and what happened. And so that's interesting. But the thing is that even even going that far, you're only going to feel for it if you uh, if you know the past, if you know all that stuff from the other stuff, you know. And that, so that only really really helps those of us who have that um i do like uh the I like uh tignotaro as, as jet reno i like that uh playing off stamets that's good in this episode yeah that stuff was great and it's only yeah. it's only a yeah. couple of scenes you know she has the stamets yeah. scene and then she has the culver scene which i thought was really really sweet and touching like. yeah it's great character stuff very short but very effective it was great she's great they're all great the writing even is solid yeah, i agree with that so the time crystal. So let's let's look at Marvel. So you you have the time stone in Marvel, which is explained. You know, if you go if you go with the with the Marvel movies, you know these stones were created at the beginning of the universe, and they all have elements. So 
in the Avengers movies, those crystals make sense because they explain them. In this, in this, it's like, what are they? I mean, it just in the. In the I have in, the answer. In, but when, in the realm of Star Trek, when the future becomes the past, the present will be unlocked. Adam, there you go. <laughs> that's the part you missed. You must not have heard it when they said that, because there's your explanation. So, I mean, and I, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. We all, one of the reasons we all love Star Trek is because they are, you know, yes, it's sci-fi and there's some fantasy stuff in it through, in all of the series. But there's always kind of been a basis. A yeah, base it's grounded. In, it's in not science, science, scientific reality. It's not fantasy like Star Wars. It's grounded. You know, it's we yeah, can it's, see NASA turning into that in 300 years, 200 years. And so when you just throw out time crystal and you don't like i said i'm using avengers and you don't explain what that is where it came from and how it works you just throw oh it's a time crystal and you can travel on time through it then it makes it silly it just makes it it makes it silly but even in the context of this show you've got klingons who are apparently dedicating their entire lives to keeping the time crystals hence the time keepers and they don't seem to know what the hell they're they do either it's like you've got this entire system this is is designed designed around this and uh, what why but you don't know i don't essentially the equation is the bigger leap of fantasy you have the the better the writing has to be you know because you have to you have to just accept it on face value because you want to accept it because it's so compelling and fun. If you are scratching your scratching your head and don't get what's going on, or it's just kind of, you have to like write an equation to make it make sense. Then it's not a good move. You better have everything explained so you can have a to B to B to C and draw the lines and so forth. That that's the big problem here. Reading about, you know, Stanley, you know, you know, when they had to, get across a problem they would just kind of make something up you know a, a radioactive spider bites a kid and but that kind of makes sense it's like you know when you go back to cat you know serums you know so that makes sense in that world and so i think they did you know and if they would have done something that made sense in the star trek world even though it, it's maybe scientifically impossible but if you explain it in a way that it's theoretically makes sense then then your audience will go along with it but like i said it before these are these are silly these time crystals are, are just well, silly. It, it seems it, like they yeah. box themselves in with sure. this time suit, and they're like, "How are we gonna? How are we gonna power this?" Because all the time travel that we've done in Star Trek before was based on you know breaking the gravity of a sun or a black hole or some other you know Q-like being that does it. So yeah, it's like it still doesn't. But even that, what, what was the episode, the original series where they just they just open it with a captain's log? We decided to go back in time to investigate something. Was oh, that assignment Earth? I don't remember. Was it tomorrow's yesterday? No, no, that One was those two. Yeah, was, I think it was the seminar. But yeah, we just just to study the sixties or something. It's like, you know, okay, fine, right? Yeah, j- just establish the absurdity. You know, yeah. start with the thesis, the thing you want to say, and then say, okay, let's build some construct to make it make some sense. But yeah, um, I, I, I just it, it's a it's a disappointment. Essentially, it's kind of like you're running out of steam. You got to get to the end and do all these things. Uh, the the Pike stuff, you know, another thing that's kind of surprising, and and perhaps you know, you know, people who are big fans have seen these interviews. They've talked about the new series coming out, Strange New Worlds. It's going to cover, you know, Pike, Spock, number one, etc. And one of the things, at some point, I saw in an interview like, uh, we're going to cover the whole accident that Pike ended up doing. It's like w- you've already done that. You didn't have to do it, but you did. You did it in this episode here. Uh, so why do we need to talk about it further? I didn't, I never thought I would see that accident as a as kind of a trick. 
you know, Trek, big Trek fan over the years, it was exciting to see, oh my gosh, we're going to see what actually happened to bring him to this point. That's cool. But, you know, that's the thing is if you got to use all of these, pull out the stops to do all these things to make it feel at the least bit compelling the story, then you don't really, you don't really have a story. You have, you have elements that you want to throw together to try to bring, bring somebody to the table, you know, to make people interested. You know? Yeah. Well, it's the same kind of like the, the, I agree. I, I like Burnham and Spock together. They're the actors. Chemistry is great. But yeah. This, the scenes with the dude that, Ooh, what a surprise. He's actually controlled <laughs> that scene. You know, it's, it's, it's well-made and, and it's, the action that that bit where the the nanobots are coming toward her and the camera's kind of pushing in on her, I thought that was exciting until I you know I used my until until the second it was over and I was like oh wait but this isn't it. you know it's just it's well made it's just looks cool there's just not there's nothing it's very shallow it's well made but it's just it's just shallow it lacks any kind of weight of what's actually going on with the characters and the stories and the plots but you know. Well, I think that's a theme that we've talked about a lot is just poor writing for whatever reason. I mean, I don't think the people that are writing the show are untalented people or don't know what they're doing, but I mean, clearly, I don't know. Just I think maybe together. that they are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think maybe they're just not. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to, our show isn't exactly, our purpose isn't exactly to critique. to critique these things. I mean, that is kind of what we end up doing a lot of times. It's not exactly our purpose. But if we were going to critique them, we wouldn't want to rewrite the show. We're not the writers. So we want to judge it based on what it is. And the one exception to that, which before Star Trek Discovery, I would never even dream that we would have to make an exception for, is that we have a definition that we mutually agree is what Star Trek is. Well, what our, our purpose of these shows, I mean, and it's a little bit different with the, the newer show with Discovery and we'll get into Picard and the other ones eventually. But I remember our purpose was when we started doing um, DS9 and all the other shows is that do these shows still hold up? Do they still, does the story, does the purpose still hold up? And I find myself watching this season Discovery going, I don't think I ever want to watch this series again. Seriously, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I can go back and watch some DS9, Next Gen, Original, and, you know, binge yeah. watch a bunch of them. I'm sitting here going, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I ever want to watch That's kind of what I was, part of what I was getting at, too, was it was funny just to throw on an original series the other day. Like, I'm just going to put this on in the background. Well, by that last scene of Wolf in the Fold, I was sitting on the couch watching it. <laughs> I stopped what I was doing, which I put it on to be in the background because I was packing and stuff, whatever. And then I just sat down and watched it. That's that's a show that holds up. That's a show that when you say what's it about, you can it's there's there's weight to it. It is not shallow. And yeah, you're basically saying Discovery season two doesn't hold up two years later. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I thought season two was better than one. Yeah, I agree. So it, I mean, I think we're doing a good job today of. You know what? It's funny too because uh, our last podcast, our listeners, you'll never know. <laughs> I edit it. I edit out some of my. I don't know. I think I got kind of mean. Tyrates. Yeah, I didn't edit them all out, but I mean, I I toned it down because nobody wants to listen to that. But you know, we're we're not as angry this time as we were two weeks ago, and I think it's because these episodes aren't. Uh, it's a combination of these episodes aren't as 
aren't as obnoxious as the ones from two weeks ago, but also just we've kind of accepted, well, this is what the show's decided it's going to be. You know, and clear, they, they go on the same, they keep the same course in season three, just different. And, you know, and it's, and we got to be clear that it, I think, I think that it's night and day to talk about something that first aired two years ago versus something that first aired 50 years ago or 30 years ago. You know, it's, this is all contextual. I mean, I don't, I don't think we can like, hundred percent say that when we say something is not so great, that it's going to be viewed as not so great in 25 years or good or the alternative. It's just, we can only go off the context of what life is now and what we feel, you know, and that's, that's why you can look back at a uh, okay episode of original series and we can comment on it in the middle of a, you know, not so great episode of discovery and, and have a discussion of it. It's that it's that it has something to offer. It may, it ties into life and and what we know, and that's that's the stuff that really holds up. We don't know exactly how we're going to view this. I mean, it's it's probably worthwhile if we continue to do this really our entire existence and come back and swing back around with these things in another decade or two. You know, but it, it's we can we can only comment on how it how it contextualizes in the moment in the now um and what it does to us and what it has to say now compared to what, everything we've seen you know it feels like we've kind of then covered uh what it's about which is yeah. not a lot because it you know it's feeling kind of shallow I keep using that word but anything else you want to add to what it's about doesn't, doesn't it seems like we covered it yeah i agree all right Let's do six degrees for Through the Valley of Shadows. It's actually six degrees. What a miracle. Uh, Adam? Yes. Kenneth Mitchell plays Tenevik, Laurel and Tyler's baby, grown up. He previously played a different Klingon named Cole. In which Star Trek series? Cole? K-O-L. I'm going to say Enterprise. No. Steve? Discovery? Yep, he was Discovery <laughs> season one. He was one of the Klingons. That this call was the the bad, the heavy, right? All right. So Steve had one, and Adam had a half. So Steve took it for the day. All right. So now we've heard for maybe five or six weeks. We've heard that the original Star Trek films might actually be, you know, they might actually be going back to the negative and giving us the four the four K transfers we'd hoped for. Uh, if you recall, last summer when we went through the movies. I think every single episode, I made it a point to say, Paramount, please, please, please give us new transfers of these because they look terrible. Well, about an hour before we started recording tonight, it was officially announced. Not only are they going back to the to, to do new transfers from the NEG, 4K transfers for the first four films, they're also going to give us Star Trek, the director's edition 4K of the motion picture. Now that is going to be, they're going to start that now. And it's, they said it'll be six to eight months later. We're going to get, as part of the 55th anniversary on September 7th, they're going to give us a box set in 4K of the first four movies and the director's edition of the motion picture of the first film will be worked on for six to eight months. And then it will be initially released as a Paramount Plus streaming exclusive, but the way they worded it, it did sound like, you know, long-term, there would probably be a, because why not free money, <laughs> a disc release. The only thing that wasn't entirely clear is if they're, I assume they are, but they didn't say it, is if they're 
doing these sorts of transfers for any of the other Star Trek films, including really obviously Star Trek's five and six, if you're going to do the original series stuff. So if that was there, they didn't say it specifically. And, and of course, we're going to have creations shows next month. So hoping to hear some more then. But anyway, what you guys think? I know, Steve, you were excited. I am excited. Yeah, because it's it's one of these things you started to think is never going to happen, you know, and that's that you're going to go back and actually really remap. We don't know. We don't know the extent of the details, right? I mean, the only, the only real details we've got are the, um, you know, spending that amount of time on the motion pictures, you know, director's cut, et cetera. To what extent are they remastering any of the others? Do they need to remaster the others. No, they, we, they we, said, they said they were going back to the neg for, well, for the first four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and then yeah, going forward, there's speculation, I suppose, after that. But at least there's that kind of movement. And and at some point, you know, I, I thought it was maybe never going to happen. And so it's very exciting, you know. And uh, I can only hope that they continue to do that on the on the rest of the uh, movie series, and and we'll see where they go from there. Well, for so long we've had a really great transfer of Star Trek Two, but that was the only one they had done that for, you know. And uh, my beloved Star Trek Three, I'm so excited to see it look great. I'm just, I can't, I don't really know what that could be like. I remember when I first moved to LA, there was a theater that was doing, they they were running like a different Star Trek movie on film every night, and I remember going to see Star Trek Three because I was so excited to see it on film, and it was a crappy old, you know, screwed up film print that was, you know, obviously been played too much, full of scratches, and it's like ah. So I kind of feel like I, I mean, I'm sure I saw it look good when I was a little kid too. Couldn't, can't possibly remember, but I feel like I've never seen it look good. Oh, I want that. And obviously I'm a little bit obsessed with quality and the room I built here to watch movies and stuff. Um, so, oh God. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way to put it, Steve, is that you start, you start to just get to the point, especially because in the last year, you know, Paramount created this new line, which it doesn't sound like this is considered a part of, but I forget what it's called. Paramount Presents, maybe? Whatever it's called. Some new line where they've gone, you know, gone back to the negative, did, done, done really nice 4K transfers. Off the top of my head, Beverly Hills Cop was one of them. But there have been, there've been a lot. It's been regular, pretty, pretty regular. And you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, they're going to do this old Richard Gere romance or something, but they're not going to do Star Trek. Clearly, they're never going to do Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then this happens. And the only thing I can imagine being more excited about would be if they said they were going back to the film for and redoing DS9. Yep. That's the only thing that I that would get me more excited. I think they'll get there. I don't know, but I can look the gift horse in the mouth. I'm for today. I'm incredibly excited, and I will give them my money. You're going to get my money. That's that's how we vote, folks. That's how we vote that we're happy about this. Buy it. If you're excited, if you're even half as excited as us, put your money where your mouth is, vote with your dollar, and buy the darn thing when it comes out on September 7th. Well, that's the first part of it. I think the second part of it is they need to have quality stream movies that keep up with. Well, that's so, why they need like, to remaster DS9. Yeah, yeah. So, if, they, I mean, if, they, if they if they just said, you know what, we're going we're we're going back to the film, we're going to spend a million dollars an episode. Or, well, no, maybe not that much, but whatever we're going to spend 30 million dollars remastering all of ds9 and voyager whatever it is but it's only going to be an hd or 4k on paramount plus i have a feeling i'd have a perpetual paramount plus subscription <laughs> um yeah because i kind of feel like you know they're not going to make their money back just on on disc sales no they It'll won't be, no you're right 
if you know this is more about you know hey we want to have quality modern looking entertainment on our, our stream service that's what's, what it's really about that's what gave me a glimmer of hope is that one line about i mean i know i was the most excited like thank god it's coming out in ultra hd and it's all this stuff but when they said that they were having this little window on paramount plus and doing the streaming it's like you know maybe they care enough maybe they think like maybe we should have at least presentable material, you know, because standard def, it's got to the point standard def is just doesn't cut it, you know. Well, in DS9 and Voyager, they even look bad for standard def now. Yes, yeah. The way they were transferred and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that gave me a glimmer of hope that maybe, maybe we inched up from like a 10% chance to a 15% chance or something like that, you know. And And the other great thing is, you know, the director's edition of the motion picture, I mean, I, I want I want both. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, ideally, I'd rather have three cuts. I'd, I'd, I'd like that extended TV version that we grew up watching on tape, you know. The director's edition, the people that are going to be working on it, it's Darren Doctorman. It's, I forget the other guy's name, but, you know, it's it's the people that did it 20 years ago. And that's awesome. That is, if, if you know, if you, if you just said, how, how can we do this and make you, the fans, happy, that would have been my answer. Uh, I have no doubt that it's going to be perfect and it's going to be exactly as robert wise would like uh so i'm going to be buying that set in september and then hopefully maybe september 2022 i'll buy a motion picture i mean yes i'll probably subscribe to pay for one month of paramount plus just so i can watch it as soon as they put it on there but is the cost cheaper now as opposed to you know back when they were doing the original series and next gen cheaper to transfer and stuff well is it more cost effect not cheap for the films i think it probably is but it it's not for for you know to do DS9 and Voyager that's a, that's a totally different thing they have to go back to film they have to redo all the effects that's a different thing here you know to do a really like with Blu-ray it was it, it's 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 high quality but it's low enough quality that you could you could do a transfer from something like an answer not an answer print but you could do a transfer from an interpositive or whatever you could have the finished film and transfer that to Blu-ray and and it's probably okay maybe. It's not, still not ideal, but it, it kind of works. You can't do that with 4K. You got to go back to the negative. So you got to go back to all those pieces, and you're kind of doing an, an edit and again and stuff. But it's still done. You're talking about film that was finished, you know. So you're just going to the pieces of film, and once you've transferred them in, you got to probably do another, you know, digital color pass or something. But basically, that's it. It's a lot, lot less less work than what you'd have to do for DS9 in Voyager. And obviously, I mean, we probably covered this about 150 episodes ago, but like, when did they stop shooting on film for a start? What, did it happen in Enterprise at some point? Uh, the last season of Enterprise, I think, or was it the last two, were shot in on the F900, the HD. I'm not 100% sure. Somewhere in that zone, I think it yeah. was just the last season that was not on film. But even even the, the, the first three seasons of Enterprise, it was shot on film, but then just immediately transferred to HD. Right. That's what kind of what they were doing back then in the early 2000s. So yes, it's so great. It's such great news. It's so exciting, and uh, I guess I need to take that day off work. <laughs> Schedule it in now. My theater is gonna. Uh, you know what's gonna be hard for me? It's gonna be hard to not just start with Star Trek Three. It's gonna have a box set of the first four movies in beautiful 4K, and I'm gonna want to just jump to three. You're just gonna have to block out your time and start <laughs> early in the morning and see if you get it I'll in. Do three first, and then I'll go one, two, three, four. How's that? Sure, sure. It is the first time ever. Just this is very nerdy, but it's the first time ever I've seen them kind of add one into the trilogy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, how, yeah, how that I'm not sure exactly the why they did that, and why wouldn't you also do five and six? Maybe they just maybe they maybe they, they just couldn't get it done in time for the anniversary, so they wanted to have something. For the, I don't know. 
Right. Well, it's it's kind of like a, a form following function or whatever, you know, in the sense that, I mean, the rumors are that because of just time and the way they're going to do it, they might group one through four, then they might group five through seven, you know, just to finish out eight through 10. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. It would be cool then to like, it would be the first time where they're kind of um, integrating the two. Integrating it. Yeah. Like putting it together and, in a way that yeah. the fans maybe do, but the, they would, I don't know. Right, yeah. right. So that's probably, we might, we're probably going to see three sets. Yeah. Take my money. Thank you. All right, folks. We are obviously excited. Uh, we're also excited to finish Discovery's second season <laughs> in two weeks when we talk about the last two episodes of season two. Uh, until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.